You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Today we're going to talk about some changes that have been made recently to duck stamps and and the artwork that gets applied to the duck stamps. So that's what today's episode is about. Before we talk about that though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So we're getting real close to deer season. If you're looking to get out opening day or, or maybe take your kids out opening day, having some sort of feed out to attract deer early season is a great tactic to use. I know Jacob plans to use that with his daughter, so Monster Whitetail Grub is a great way to do that. They've got their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed, which is a high-protein feed with mineral mixed in. You can get all kinds of different additives added to it. They've got flavored corn, which turns regular corn into more of a long-range attractant. And they've got regular mineral, so whatever you need, they have it check them out go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors there there you'll find a link to get in touch with them and see what they have to offer they may carry it in a in a retail location near you so chat with them about that if not you can order it direct from monster whitetail grub and uh yeah you can deal with them directly so with that we're going to get into the episode but as i said check out monster whitetail grub it's a it's a great product Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So, the main topic for today, I think we're going to talk about duck stamps. And there's been a, a recent change here that I, I know I know has got Jeff fired up, so we're going to talk about that. And then, depending on how long that takes, there's a few other things that uh, that might be interesting to, to listeners. So, I don't know. The... The duck stamp topic, I guess, Jeff, can you summarize how the duck, the artwork, I guess, as a starting place, like how the artwork for the duck stamps is generated? Yeah, so there's a an art competition. Um, you know, I don't know the exact specifics, um, but there's a art competition. Um that has specific guidelines um and then it's judged and the winner becomes the federal duck stamp and so anybody to your your knowledge anybody can submit artwork for the content yes right yes to my knowledge anyone can submit their artwork to yeah for the contest yes and then that that the artwork that goes on that stamp is you know not only a, like people collect duck stamps just to collect duck stamps but it's also required to hunt water fowl right yes yes the the duck stamp the federal duck stamp is required to to hunt waterfowl anywhere in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking all migratory birds, but that's not true because uh, you don't need it to hunt doves, and doves are a migratory bird. Right, yeah. 
so, but any waterfowl. Okay. Okay. So recently, and Jeff, you're going to have to probably take over here because I don't fully understand what went on other than there was a change to the stipulations on, on what has to be in the artwork or what has to be included in the image in order for it to be considered in the contest or or I guess for it to be to meet the guidelines in order to be judged in the contest to that to therefore hopefully become the artwork that goes on the federal duck stamp is that correct yeah. so far yeah yeah so two years ago the rules were changed to require that uh the artwork have a a hunting element in it um now what that element is is mostly up to the artist you know it can be a a decoy um it can be a call um you know it could be potentially like a a a blind um i i would assume potentially it could be like a, a a retriever um you know it has to have some sort of hunting element in in the artwork to be accepted that rule changed two years ago so prior to that it didn't it there was no such stipulation correct correct now that doesn't mean that people didn't put that stuff in their duck stamp artwork um but it wasn't required okay so starting with this year's stamp uh that you know that element was required you know because it takes a while you know like the the current art competition that's going on now will be for next year's stamp um so you know but yeah so this year was the first year that the hunting element was required so if you look at the 2021 2022 duck stamp uh there's a there's a duck call on it Okay. Um, and this rule change was made to honor hunting heritage, you know, because basically federal duck stamps, well, not even basically, federal duck stamps came to be because waterfowl hunters said, hey, we're really alarmed by this massive decline in waterfowl. So, like, we want to do something to raise money you know basically we want to be taxed to raise money to help support waterfowl and waterfowl habitat right so that's why duck stamps federal duck stamps came into existence so to honor the hunting heritage and also it was kind of to coincide with federal duck stamps raising one billion dollars for conservation you know like total over the lifetime of duck stamps um they made this rule that permanently connected hunting to these stamps by requiring there to be a hunting element in the stamp um obviously because there is a, a collector's market, while it is small compared to the the market of people buying these stamps as a as a license, as a hunting license, um, there is a non-hunting collector's market for federal duck stamps. So obviously those people got a little offended a little hurt a little upset that the rules were changing and changing to include something that they may or may not agree with you know some of these people just are completely 
ethically opposed to hunting. So it ruins the stamp for them to have a hunting element in them. So the so those people, I mean, we don't have one to ask, but but it, they're buying the stamp for purely for collecting, or they're buying it to collect, but also as a way, like a conservation way to help waterfowl or do you know i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a little bit of both you know some people are buying them to to help waterfowl you know just you know some people like to collect them and like to make the donation um right but also uh waterfowl stamps are also used as a as admission to to some other places like um some some federal waterfowl refuges you know in order to to go to them you have to buy a federal duck stamp um oh, okay like there's there there are other places um mostly targeted in my opinion at like bird watchers you know where it basically if you want to come here and look at birds you you have to buy a stamp right okay you know like you're basically uh duck stamps helped fund this place build whatever it is so if you want to utilize it you have to also contribute to this pool of money so there 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 is well be it small and the exact numbers are hard to, to actually come by and because i i emailed uh the fish and wildlife service and asked like after this rule change came out because now the to kind of jump ahead real quick the 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 rule that required that hunting element has now been taken away they changed the rules back so that the hunting element is no longer required um so after this news came out and they basically said it was because of this outcry of the non-hunting public i i emailed them and asked you know what percentage of stamps are bought by non-hunters and their answer to that was there's there's no way of knowing we don't know, you know, because right. they, 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 we don't ask, you know, at, at the sale of why people are buying them. So it's just kind of uh, a gut feeling, you know, like no one really has good numbers on it, on what percentage. But everyone believes that the majority the vast majority are being bought by hunters as a hunting license um but no one really knows what what percentage are being bought by people who just want to collect the stamp or um you know want to donate to conservation or are buying the stamp for another you know a bird watching reason right yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't know, but it feels like the percentage of people that would have a problem with that would be pretty low. I mean, wh- what I, I'm picturing in my head is, you know, maybe somebody that that waterfowl hunted as a kid or used to waterfowl hunt, but, you know, whatever, life happens, don't hunt anymore. But they still like the idea of supporting waterfowl, collecting the stamps. And so, you know, you wouldn't think those people would have an issue with having a hunting element in the artwork. They came to it. They came to know about federal duck stamps through hunting and the good that they do and and so on now i guess that's not to say that somebody as they got older thought well i can just 
you know, we don't have to hunt them in order to help them. We can just buy these duck stamps and now I'm, you know, against hunting or I guess that's a, a possibility. But yeah, it seems like the number of people or the percentage of people buying the stamps be awfully low. Yeah. I'll, yeah. And I mean, there's no real way of, of getting accurate numbers. I wonder but. if they saw like a massive decrease in stamps bought. Well, I, I mean, this year, this year stamp would be the first one with the hunting elements. So they wouldn't even have those numbers yet. Oh, you know, cause I mean, well, and, didn't didn't the the one from year twenty nineteen have a yes. hunting uh, element in it too? Uh, I I'm not sure of the year, but recently there was a wood duck. It was a wood duck stamp. It had a wood duck on it, and there was a decoy. Um, I don't know if that was nineteen or eighteen. I know it wasn't the twenty twenty stamp. Right, and potentially they saw a a decrease because of that. I I mean, it's possible. I don't know. That might be information that's actually, I mean, it should be. Someone should be able to provide that information. I mean, because money talks, right? Like, if they, you know, they awarded the art, work to somebody who chose to add a hunting element then they required a hunting element and you know while they while they so you're saying the the stamp for this year is the stamp that has the duck call on it yes for so this people year. aren't really buying that stamp yet or or well, I mean, just they, starting to. Yeah, they're just starting to, if you will. I mean, I now I was late to it, but I just bought my stamp last weekend, you know, because uh, early goose season starts this upcoming weekend. You know, we're recording okay. this on September 1st. Um, and I actually bought the last stamp, the last duck stamp at my post office. Oh, OK. So, uh. They said, you know, she said, oh, you know, you're in luck. We got one left. There was a guy that just came in here who he had been calling around trying to find them. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, that you guys could sell out. Basically, you know, last year I showed up and asked for one and you gave it to me. And so I just thought, oh, every every year I show up to the post office and I just buy a stamp. You know, yeah. this will be my second yeah. year waterfowl hunting. So I didn't, you know, know any better. But, yeah, she said, you're getting the last one. So if you have any buddies, tell them they got to go somewhere else. And they don't get any more? Like, they can't well, order I, more? I, I don't know. I didn't ask. I assume yeah. that they, I assume if they, if they hit zero, they have none left. I assume they do order more. This seems to me like a, like, what? It doesn't cost any money to print a duck stamp. So, like, why would they have a limited supply? That's just weird to me. They should never run out. They should never even get close to running out. It just doesn't. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand that. You're not losing money by printing, you know, in the grand scheme of things, 100 duck stamps and throwing them away at the end of the year. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah. losing Talking money pennies. doing that. Right. Like, I don't understand how they can run out. Yeah, I. That's weird. You got a point. And I know, and I know you had had trouble last year, Jeff. Didn't you have to look around and find a post office that had them? Yes, but <laughs> yes, I had to look around to find a post office that had them. But once I found the one that you know that had right. them, I assumed that they would have always you know, have them. always have them. Right. You know, and I think half of the time it's just. You know, some of the other post offices, I think, just didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. You know, they're small post offices. And it's like, 
No, I don't think we have that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But so now what has happened is they have changed the rules back to no longer require the hunting element. And one thing that really bothered me was a lot of conservation organizations were like sharing the news story and kind of acting like it was a good thing. Like, oh, it's going to give, you know, artists more options. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's, you know, having that hunting element connects these stamps and the money from them to hunters and makes them look, you know, gives us some, you know, something to show us in a positive light. Right. You know, I think it was very necessary to add that hunting element because, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a federal duck stamp, you know, it it was apparent to everyone what who's buying federal duck stamps and where that money's coming from. It was obvious. And now it's not as obvious because there is a small group of people who are buying them for, you know, the art or other reasons. So I think it was very necessary to add that hunting element so that people understood, you know, that this is hunters raising this money. Yeah, I I mean, I guess, like we said a minute ago, you know, we don't know the numbers, but you wouldn't be surprised to find out that if hunters stopped buying duck stamps, all of a sudden there's no money being raised, no real money, right? Yes, there are some people that are buying them just to collect them, just to help ducks, but you've got to imagine the vast, vast majority of people buying duck stamps are buying them so they can hunt waterfowl. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, uh, I guess my opinion, my statement is I have never known anyone who bought a federal duck stamp that didn't buy it on the grounds of like hunting and hunting conservation because i you see them in a lot of places i mean a lot of people don't know what they are but you'll see like the people have them on their walls it's like a printout of the artwork and then the stamps in the corner you know so those people are buying them you know so i i do know people who have bought that those pieces of artwork but all of those people, I am pretty sure, you know, we're well aware that duck stamps are related to hunting and hunting conservation of waterfowl. You know, they weren't yeah. buying it because this is a pretty piece of artwork. Yeah, I, the, the vet we go to, I'm pretty sure has duck yes, stamps art. Okay. You guys go to the same vet? (laughs) Yes, I go to the same vet as you. Yes. Okay. And he does. Um, And our our grandpa has some on his, in the stairway up to his office. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're there. And, but I, I'm pretty sure our vet's a duck hunter. You know, he, he has labs. Right. Yeah. I think they need to make a deer stamp. Yeah, federal can, federal deer stamp. A federal deer stamp, yeah, so that we can buy deer artwork and hang it up. Yeah, I mean, that is no, something that's kind of, I don't know, weird. Because duck hunting, like, is seen all the way from, like, 
you know, super high class, you know, because like the artwork stuff is like, you know, seen as being pretty high class, class and posh. And then you get like, you know, there's a, a wide, you know, Duck Dynasty basically is the other end of that spectrum. Right. Yeah. You know, where it's there's a very different public images of duck hunting. Yeah, that's a good point. It would be interesting to see how how something I don't know, I think today people would like complain and moan to no end if you added a $25 deer stamp that you had to buy to hunt deer. But yeah. like I know, you know, Ohio they they always ask do you want to contribute to the wildlife fund or whatever when you buy your your tag and license? But if you got something, and I think like with your donation, maybe you can get a subscription to the Wild Ohio magazine or or something like that. But 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 if you got something that you know you you could you know put some marketing around or just I don't know, get people excited about like collecting these things like, oh, yeah, what's right. the, the, you know, like we've started, I don't know, sort of unofficially collecting the regs books. Right. right? That's what different... I was going to say. Yeah. Is there there are still people who they want their printed regs book because they want the cover art, like the right. cover art is what they are hoping for they're looking for you know which sometimes it's a piece of artwork you know and then other times it's a picture but they yeah. they like to cover they like to to get those covers and collect the covers yeah i mean i was in a gun shop this past weekend and they had had the regs books laying in there and i picked one up not you know not because i ever i mean i might thumb through it while i'm sitting at the cabin but i use the electronic version now but you know we've kind of started an unofficial collection of the rigs books and uh if you could do something like that i think you know maybe it's maybe it's optional or probably the only way to do it today because you know, people cried about adding a couple dollars to the tags and license prices. Uh, you know, if there was some optional thing where you got a, a, it's a stamp, it's a whatever, I don't know what it is. But it's something that could have like a collecting, collectible element to it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know if you guys know, uh, Ryan Kirby's artwork. I've heard of it. No, I'm not familiar. Well, look him up. He does like drawings of not just whitetail, but but uh, you know other other wildlife. But he's like he's a wildlife artist, right? So like if you could, I guess much like the the duck stamps, right? It's a piece of art that you're that you're getting in, uh, you know, there again, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's, it's a stamp. Maybe it's a, whatever, what a glossy page that they mail to your house that you could put in a frame, you know, whatever it is. Um, seems like you could raise some extra money for conservation that way. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I, I'd pay $5 for it without even thinking twice. Yeah. You know, and I, that's that's the same amount that that Wild Ohio magazine is, right? I think it's a $5 contribution. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and it's not like for a stamp, 
it's not like they don't already have the infrastructure set up because there's a a state wetland stamp you have to buy so they already have the the system to make them set up okay so yeah we may uh may be on to something there you know yeah. giving people ideas yeah. We need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Scents. Mastin's is a deer scent company. They're also a predator scent company, but since we're coming up on deer season, I want to talk about their deer scents. So they have your standard liquid scents, but they've got some interesting scent combinations, meaning, you know, they combine scents from a bunch of different scent glands on a, on a whitetail. So interesting in that way, if you're just looking for doe estrus they've got that also so they've got that they've got scented gel crystals which you can refresh with the liquid scents they've got scented candles like deer scented candles that you can use with their double scent stacker so lots of interesting options to check out with mastins and you guys have heard me say in the past their prices are 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 very reasonable so Check them out. Go to MastinsDeerSense.com. See what they have to offer. Browse around. Look at their different uh, scents that they offer and the different scent products that they offer. And if you find something you like, order it direct from Mastins and they'll ship it to your house. So with that, we'll get back into the conversation. But like I said, check them out. MastinsDeerSense.com. All right. Well, anything else we need... I mean, I don't know. Is there anything to do? Uh, I guess if if there was a bunch of bunch a bunch of let me start over. I guess if there was a bunch of hunter outcry that like, hey, we liked having the duck stamp or the the hunting element in the duck stamp. Right, right, yeah. And I mean, I I my opinion is I don't think we should take this lying down as a hunting community. You know, whether you duck hunt or not, this was something very positive. I mean, I when I found out that they were doing this, I was very happy because it was showing the hunting community in a positive light. And it was going to to do that for the future, you know. Um, So I was very happy about this. I, you know, I've. I felt like as hunters, we were being uh, respected and appreciated, you know, for what we're doing for conservation. Um, so whether you're a duck hunter or not, I, you know, I'd reach out to whoever you can. And, you know, I'm sure in the future this topic will come back up. And when it does, you know, make sure you voice your support for the rule being changed back, um, you know, because I, I believe that this change was more or less just a political, uh, political change. It was to erase all legacy of the former administration. You know, it, they're they're systematically just erasing everything he did, and this was one of the things that he did and i feel that this one was you know whether whether you agree with most of the things he did you know or not this was definitely something he got right you know his administration got right so i didn't even think about that so yeah this this rule change happened under the trump administration correct and now the biden administration is rolling that back yes and i i i believe it's uh, you know they're saying it was because of a public outcry and you know just to make you know give the artist more freedom and whatever but i i believe it's you know it's a it's a political move yeah i think it yeah i agree i think it's just another undoing of what trump did you know, their goal is to reverse, you know, he was the Democratic side thinks right or wrong that President Trump was the worst president ever in the history of the country. 
So anything he did, we have to fix. So we have to undo it, reverse it, switch it. Right. I, I think that definitely played a large role. Right. But I don't think and, there's any way it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is a, a government agency. So uh, they <laughs> they get hit with just as much government, you know, I I don't even know what the word I want to call it is, but garbage is everyone else. You know, every other agency where when there's a change of administration, everything in your entire line of work changes. Right. You know, there's a there's a big power shift. So, yeah, I I assume that uh, in the future. This will become a topic again um and when it does make sure you voice your support um no matter you know if you're a waterfowl hunter or not because this is just one thing that basically forces people to see the positive things that hunters do you know uh the general public is pretty ignorant to hunting in general you know they think we're just a bunch of cold-blooded killers you know uh, or they're just completely indifferent to hunting so they they have no no idea of all the good that hunting does you know the general the average person has no idea that almost every every animal they see is basically here because hunters decided to keep it you know decided that uh that conservation was important you know because when the federal duck stamp was created most of the waterfowl that you see today were not in most of the united states you know and before hunting licenses you know, in most states, they're, I mean, a lot of states got rid of their deer population because of overhunting. And so the money from, you know, the modern hunting has brought all of this back. And yeah, it's so, yeah, it's just, I really hope that, uh, hunters don't take this lying down and fight to you know get the hunting element added back to the duck stamp but also you know just fight to have our contributions saw seen not saw seen yeah. <laughs> uh you know like uh the the signs that are on some public uh areas now that say basically like this this public land is brought to you by money raised from you know the sale of hunting and fishing license or you know so just fight to kind of keep hunting and the positive things it does in the public eye yeah i would agree with that wholeheartedly so I, I guess two other things here real quick before we wrap up. I, I sent this to you guys, but I wanted to make the, the listeners aware of it. The Ohio being a straight walled legal state, straight, straight walled cartridge legal state. Uh, this is relevant to us. Vortex now offers, I think new this year, they now offer a a scope that was designed specifically for straight walled rifles i guess maybe more so the the reticle was designed for straight walled rifles so it's got the subtensions or the different hash marks inside or on the reticle those those hash marks line up with yardage increments 
of your common straight walled cartridges. Yeah. I, I think based sure, on the the yardages that that they provide, I think they they, they sort of focused on the 4570. So what was it? The first I forget now. It's the first was it intended for the first hash mark to be 100 yards like 100 yards zero and then you've got 50 50 yard increments out to 300. Is that what I was saying? I I could be wrong, but I thought it was the first one was 50. Okay. But I could be uh, wrong. Well, either way, the hash marks line up with um here, yeah, I pulled it up. So first hash or the center crosshair is 100 yards, first hash marks 150, second is 200, third is 250 and then the top of of you know inside if you look at if you pull the reticle up you'll you'll know what i'm talking about but like you know you have a, the thin line at the crosshair and then they typically get wider at some point so the top of that bottom post is 300 yards they uh they also provide tables for 350 legend and 450 bushmaster so the yardages don't work out as perfectly so for 350 legend Again, center crosshair is 100 yards. First is 150. Second is 230. Third hash mark is 280. And top of the bottom post is 340. And for 450 Bushmaster, center is 100. First is 150. Second is 210. Third is 260. Top of the bottom post is 310. And they provide the, uh, you know, the bullet weights and muzzle velocities that they base that off of so you know for example 350 legend that's based on 150 grain bullet uh with a muzzle velocity of 2325 feet per second so you know obviously with any of this optic stuff if if your ammo differs from that those yardages are going to vary slightly but you know you'll kind of be I would imagine, you know, you're going to be a minute of, of pie plate <laughs> accurate with any, you know, any load, I guess, outside of like the subsonic stuff. You know, I know they sell some subsonic 350 Legend and, and probably 450 Bushmaster, like, you know, trajectory curves on that stuff are are much different, but. You know, if you went with a hundred and eighty grain three fifty legend, obviously your your or those ranges are gonna be slightly different, but they're probably a, still a, a pretty close reference point. So I thought, thought that was interesting to to make people aware of if you're you know, if you need a new optic or you're you're getting a straight walled rifle for the upcoming deer season, it might be something to uh to look at there. Yeah, that's definitely cool. I mean, because that was a hard thing, you know, finding a, a scope for a forty-five seventy, you know, that you're looking the deer hunt with can can be hard, you know, because a forty-five seventy does apply a lot of shock, you know, so you need a shock-proof scope, and then, right. you know, most of the scopes are not designed, you know, to for that type of bullet drop compensation. So yeah. that's that's cool. And if uh, if I was in the market for for a new scope, I'd definitely be getting one. But I I like my scope. I'm you know I know where you know I can c- compensate out to you know 250 yards. I kind of can compensate for. So I'm I'm set. Yeah. Yeah, and it's in there. I guess I didn't mention it's in their Crossfire Two line. So it's a it's a, a Crossfire Two, three to nine straight walled scope. Something to that effect is is what they're calling it. Um, I've got a Crossfire Two on my shotgun and have had no issues with it. It you know it handles the recoil from a twelve gauge no problem. So now my my 
slug gun scope is just a, a standard crosshair. You know, it doesn't have, uh, you know, yardage hash marks or, or whatever you want to call them. It's just a standard crosshair. But yeah, I, I, it's good to see, I guess, just uh, to wrap it up, maybe it, it's good to see more support coming for the straight walled cartridges. You know, they they continue to grow in popularity and, and, uh, you know, I know the, the ammo prices right now certainly have me considering one, probably not this year, but I mean, for Sabo slugs, you know, you're looking at 18, 20 bucks a box of five, you know, so you're talking four dollars around right now i mean there for a while i don't i don't think you could find 350 legend but there for a while you couldn't find anything i mean you're seeing 350 legend on the shelf now and you know i'm seeing it for dollar fifty around so i don't know keep toying around with the idea of, of something straight walled the other thing that I that uh, I guess I wanted to chat with you guys briefly is, and maybe get some listener input on this. So I'm I'm in the market for a 22 rifle. The problem is I don't know what I want, and so I've been doing a hand a bunch of research here, and well I know what I want, but they don't make it. I want a 10.22 with a threaded barrel. And now I know people who are are 10.22 people will say, yeah, you can buy a 10.22 with a threaded barrel. And I know this, but I think right now you've got to buy like the takedown model, which, you know, the, the, which is the one where it basically separates into two pieces. I, I don't know. I can't explain why I don't want a takedown model. I just don't. Or you've got to get into, I, I do think they sell some like target models that have a threaded barrel, but you're getting far more expensive. So I guess I, I should have had another stipulation. I want a 1022 with a threaded barrel that's not a takedown in like standard base 1022 price range. <laughs> so it's led me down this path of, well, maybe I look at a bolt action 22 and you can buy the Savage Mark twos for not a lot of money, but I've read a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know about a lot, but I've read some reviews, seen some reviews where right out of the gate, some of them are having extraction issues or as you shoot them, they have extraction issues. Apparently the, I don't know if it's the spring force on the extractor or I've seen some stuff where if you, you pull your extractor, out and you sharpen it to where it bites onto the lip of the case better it will fix the extraction issue but then every so often you've got to redo that and so you're talking about filing material off replacing extractors once they've been filed too much you know i don't know if that's kind of a known issue on that rifle i don't know that i want to get into a rifle that has a known issue like that. I kind of just want to buy a rifle that runs. So. Right. Right. I mean, the, the price is really appealing on those. They now have Savage now has the, the like their a 22 and their B 22s. The a 22 mm-hmm. is the semi-auto basically 10, 22 competitor. The B 22 is a bolt action 22. I don't think they have, I don't know about the A22. I don't think the B22 
E22 has as much of an issue, but I, I have read some people still complain about extraction issues on the B22s. So then that led me to, well, Ruger sells a bolt action 22, the Ruger American Rimfire, and they offer it in 17, 22, and 22 mag. And I, I think that's where I'm leaning at the moment. What I, what I originally wanted was a Thompson, Thompson Center. I, I'm assuming after the 1022 patents expired, they made a 1022 clone, basically. Except it comes with a threaded barrel on the standard model. The price is right. It's in that you know, three to four hundred dollar price range. So it comes with a a threaded barrel. It comes with a Magpul stock on it from the factory, and they've added a little, little tab on their magazines. It takes ten twenty two magazines, so it's I mean, it's a clone enough in that sense that it will use ten twenty two magazines. But if you use the Thompson magazines, they've added a little tab on there so you get last shot hold open on the bolt. 1022s don't, they don't, you know, the the the, the bolt doesn't lock back when on the last shot. Which, you know, is not a deal breaker, but it is kind of nice to, you know, have, have the action lock open when the gun's empty. My... I have a, a Mossberg 702 Plinkster that I, I think I paid 50 bucks for from, uh, I think it was a friend of our cousin or something like that. It locks open, same thing. It uses the magazine, like the follower in the magazine basically sticks up into the action and holds the action open once the last shell's gone. Uh, but I don't know. You guys have any thoughts on that? What should I, which, which direction I should go? Well, my question is, what are you looking to buy a 22 for? Like, what's the, the purpose of it? So, basically an upgrade from my, my Mossberg. That Mossberg has, sometimes, it has feet, it, I don't know that I've ever had extraction issues. It has feeding issues to where, you know, it'll ram a, a, a around up you know it just won't feed it in right it, it doesn't mm-hmm. go into the mm-hmm. into the chamber so i sometimes have feeding issues it sometimes has failure to fire issues and that maybe that's an ammo thing you know where right there's a there's a dent on the on the case rim but it didn't go off sometimes you can you know run those back through the gun and they'll and they'll go you know that's that's uh uh, probably, you know, the Remington, whatever, those, the green brick of Remington 22 yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, rim fires are notorious for failure to fire, you know, issues. Yeah, yeah so, and it's just a, you know, a cheap plastic gun. It, mm-hmm. the, you know, the trigger's horrible. It's gritty, long... It's just, you know, it's mm-hmm. nothing special, right? It's a $50 gun. So just looking to get a real 22, hunt squirrels with, have Ella shoot it, you know, introduce her more to shooting. I mean, she shoots the, the, the Mossberg and, you know, loves shooting it. But, you know, we do have to deal with some of the, the feeding issues and you know that's while it's a good teaching moment it is frustrating sometimes when you know gun goes click doesn't go off you know rack a new shell in gun goes click you know it's so i guess that's what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. threaded because i i ultimately someday like not tomorrow but someday it would like to put a suppressor on it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because I guess the reason that I was asking is, uh, while 1022s are 
fairly accurate. I mean, if you're looking to do real long range shooting with a 22, you know, a bolt action is where it's at. You know, bolt actions are typically much more accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically all. I, you know, I have the a Savage Mark II, I think, in uh, it's a 17 HMR. Um, I think that's what it is, but it's a Savage bolt action. Uh-huh. Um, and it's is it a is it a rotary magazine or a stack magazine? Stack. It's a stack. Okay. Probably a Mark II then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that that thing's impressive in how accurate it is. You know, because people complain about 17 HMRs like, oh, you know, you can't can't hit anything because the wind, you know, throws that bullet everywhere. Well, I I've shot it in pretty windy conditions at squirrels that are I mean to to not overstate I'll say at 75 yards uh-huh. and had no problem you know that that squirrel's fallen out of the tree you know yeah so, so that that takes me back to the the Ruger American Rimfire it takes 1022 magazines it's a, you know it's a Ruger Ruger knows right they've been building the 1022s for ever and so they you know they kind of know rim fires and it takes so that the that bolt action 22 that they make takes the 1022 mags so um, i guess that's why i'm kind of leaning that way at the moment the CZs are nice, but they, you know, the price gets pretty high on those. So I guess, uh, listeners, if, uh, you know, if you have any of those rifles, the, you know, the, the Savage, Jeff, you, you, you're, you don't have any extraction issues with your Mark II? No. it's a Mark II? Yeah, no, I don't have any issues. Okay. I'll have to do some research on if people complain about extraction issues on all Mark II's or just the 22 Mark II's, or if the you know if the geometry of the 17s are different or or what. So maybe you know maybe it's a case of it's a somewhat entry level rifle, and if you get a good one, you get a good one. If you get a you know for whatever reason, you get one that has extraction issues it has extraction issues although i I did see some videos where you know it seems like savage knows about it like the one guy said you know he bought this rifle he called savage and basically he all he had to say was you know mark to extraction and they're like yep say no more we'll send you some some new extractors and so they, they just sent him a couple new extractors and he said the the new extractor seems seem to have I don't know if it totally uh, uh, eliminated the issue, but but certainly reduced the frequency. So so I don't know. Maybe I'm not ruling out the Mark II's. The price is really good on the Mark II's. Like I think you can buy Mark II's sub three hundred dollars, which is quite appealing. But like I said, listeners, if you have any experience with any of those, the the Savage A22s, B22s, the Mark II, Savage Mark II, the Ruger American Rimfire, or something else that I am not aware of. Uh, oh, I never mentioned the, the reason, I, you know, I was ready to buy one of these Thompson Center R22s, TCR22s. But I started calling around to the local gun shops and nobody can get them. And I don't know if that's a uh, I've got two theories. That's just a function of the current state of the gun industry, labor shortage, whatever. But the one guy made some kind of comment. I think Thompson, the Thompson brand is maybe owned by Smith and Wesson. And he made a 
just sort of offhandedly said something about, I don't know if I can get those. I, I think Smith and Wesson is going to discontinue the Thompson center line, but let me check. And he, you know, put me on hold and come back and said, yeah, I, I can't get any, and they don't show up on any of my, you know, with through any of my wholesalers. So then it was like, well, I don't know that I want to get into, you know, if they're going to discontinue them, even though it is a 1022 clone. And I think a lot of the 1022 parts can be used in the TCR 22. So just another element, I guess, on my, <laughs> on my, my, my shopping saga. So if, uh, if anybody has any experience with any of those rifles or, you know, pros or cons either way, I'd, I'd love to hear them. So with that, I think, uh, we've been talking long enough, probably ought to switch this one off. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's good. That's it for this week. So hopefully this was something interesting. Maybe, maybe you were aware of this, maybe you weren't, but I think to Jeff's point, it's important for us to all stay up to date on these kind of things and make sure that we as hunters are aware of them and try to make the non-hunting public aware of the good that we do for conservation as hunters. To the non-hunting public, it can seem quite counterintuitive, but, you know, the vast majority of those conservation dollars come from us hunters. So we need to paint ourselves in a good light and, and let people know about that. So with that, that's going to be it for this week. As always, follow us on social, Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And with that, I think we'll shut it off and talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening.